the cave was a story written by Plato. It's, some have known it as Plato's Cave. Written in a document called The Republic, uh, it is a fascinating study. He wrote about a group of men who were chained to a cave under the earth and who had never really been actually born there in the cave and had never experienced sunlight or the freshness of a meadow, but they saw shadows of it through a fire. And um, Plato's goal in writing that was nothing spiritual. It was actually education. He wanted to drill the point that without academia, without education, we are in a cave in darkness and ignorance. But it is a great story for the spiritual truth that we were all born in a cave. I want to expand your mind to try to understand what Viktor Frankl wrote in a book called The Meaning of Life or, or Man's Meaning. I, I'll, I'll read or Man's Search for Meaning. He came to some good points in the book, but way below what man's true creation was meant to be. Frankel writes this, Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it, the more, and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success, Frankel writes, like happiness, cannot be pursued, it must be ensued. And it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's dedication to a cause greater than themselves. We as in our human condition, spiritually speaking, we're born not understanding our true nature and what we were intended for. So I want to expand our minds to think on realms above the natural because we were created for the supernatural. We actually were created in the midst of, of a fight, a battle. Sin did not begin in the Garden of Eden. It began long before that. When Lucifer entered the throne room of God and said, I will place my throne above his throne. And doing so was cast out of heaven. And God had the matter of sin to deal with. It would have been the most, the easiest thing for God to simply destroy Satan with his own power. But what kind of fight would that be? God versus a created being. So in the plan of God, he created man. Or for the sole purpose, are you ready? To defeat the devil. He created us ultimately to defeat his greatest enemy. It was as if, 
a huge man was assaulted by a five-year-old child. And that huge man could destroy that five-year-old. But instead, he said, I'll take a baby and destroy the five-year-old. We were created, not for ourselves, but for the glory and majesty of God Almighty in the very purpose of defeating his enemy, Satan. Oh, how far we have fallen, have we not? We are taking this detour out of Joshua because as they crossed over Jordan, it is a picture of the gospel of Christ breaking the power of sin in our life so that we may enter in onto a promised land of milk and honey. But not for ourselves. Not so that we would eat and drink of the milk and honey. But that the Canaanites might be driven from the land and sin might be defeated. And ultimately the author of sin, Satan, might be defeated. Go with me to Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8. We are way too reasonable a people. We think on too logical a plane. We see before us concrete facts that we think are facts, and they're nothing but the grayness of a cave. We think we're here for 80 years to pay the bills, and wash the car, and fold the laundry, and raise a few kids. But we were here on this planet for a purpose that took us through the cosmos, into the very battle that God was facing between he and Satan. Psalm 8 is a look back at man. I take it as it was before the fall. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Look around the earth. His name is not counted as majestic, is it not? by the humanity that lives here. But still his name is majestic, but not in his creation, his people, the people he has created. You have set your glory, notice, I love this, above the heavens, above all created things, above the cosmos, that we don't even know the extent and distance of it. His glory is outside of the created material cosmos world, filling Voids that we don't even know of. That's the glory of our God. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes. It is in the mind and eyes of a child that sees the magic and the mystery and the wonder of life. When we open a door, we don't expect anything, but a child expects a dragon or something wild and mysterious, the wonder and awe of life. We've lost it as human, as, as grown adults, God would have us to gain it back. Children have no problem with Bible stories, 
have no problem with miracles. They don't have any problem with all of the supernatural things of life because they're fresh, are they not? We lose the miracle in our minds of everything around us all the time. The miracle of your legs. The miracle that you can breathe and see and think and know and will. These are magic. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, the old King James says, that's who speaks out the strength of the Lord. Verse 3. When I look at heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Now there's two ways to read verse 4. The old fundamentalist would read it like this. Ah, what is man? Look at the beauty and glory of this crazy. Look at man. What a mess. That's not the way the psalmist wrote it. He said, look above and see the sun, the stars, the majesty of everything, the miracles that are busting loose in the smallest seed. Look at it all. None of it can think like we can. None of it can breathe like we breathe, smell like we smell. None of it can do anything of of magic like we can do. What is man? How majestic is man is that he's far above anything that God has created. You see what he made us for? Not the cave. What is man that you pay attention to him, the son of man that you care for him? Notice, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, the angels made him in weakness with a body that is fragile. Notice, you have crowned him with glory and honor. We have been crowned with glory and honor. You get it? In the garden when we sinned, we took the glory of God and the honor he had crowned us with, and this is, this is sin and how bad it is, and took that crown off, placed it over there, and took our own crown and put it on our heads. That is sin. That is our right to ourself. That is our right to rule like I want to rule, and to do what I want to do. And we sacrifice the very glorious crown that God put on us for a crown of self. You ready? Redemption puts the crown of God Back on our head. Back on our heads. Let's finish the psalm, then we'll go to the New Testament. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. I don't see that now, do you? We don't have dominion over this creation. If we did, we'd walk on water. We'd command the storms. We would have command over it. Notice what else it says. Put all things under your feet. All sheep and oxen, that's not a problem. But also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish in the sea. You go fishing, it's potluck whether you catch anything. If we commanded the fish, we would be a short fishing trip. 
And whatever passes through the paths of the sea, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Now there is coming a time very soon that we will dominate this creation. All the things the man Christ Jesus did in his ministry was able to do, we will do once we have a new body. So what about now? What about now? Go to 1 John. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Give you one verse. Then we'll wrap this thing up. Don't get too excited. When a preacher says wrap something up, it doesn't mean it's going to be done quick. <laughs> Can't put a time on that. First John chapter 3. Notice, oh, let's begin at verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8 of 1 John says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, is not a Christian. Those who can sin and sin and sin and make it a practice of a lifestyle when there's no conviction of the Holy Spirit, John says you're not truly saved. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Notice, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason he came was not to destroy the devil in this verse. Ultimately, the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire. He'll suffer forever. But notice he came to destroy his works. Now, when did he do that? Well, you could say he did it during his ministry when he healed people and when he fed and and when he forgave sin. Yes, there was some destruction of Satan's works. But allow me to suggest to you that he has placed within our hands by his work in the gospel the destroying of the works of the devil through us. Through us. When are the works of the devil destroyed? When we walk into the promised land and claim victory over sin. Not that we ask for victory, but we, we claim the victory that he has been given because of the gospel. And no longer are you and I the greedy, self-centered, selfish, prideful. You can make your own list. I've got plenty on mine. No longer... Do I claim the right to myself, which is nothing more than a work of the devil? No longer am I held in a cave of darkness, only seeing the shadows of what life really is meant to be lived. But because he died, I died with him. Because he was buried, I'm buried with him. And because he rose, listen, because he rose from the dead, I have resurrection life inside of me. 
And when I walk in that truth and when I have crossed the Jordan and I'm standing on victory side, I'm walking in the promised land of milk and honey. There are inhabitants in that land that didn't come down and fight at the Jordan. I'm, I'm curious about that because if I'm in Jericho and I know a couple million are coming over, probably 250 to 300,000 warriors, I'm going to hit them. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to meet them at the River Jordan and I'm going to fight them right there in the river. But you notice when they went across, there was absolutely no enemy at all. There was simply the mighty Jordan. Follow the processes of the work of God. We walked across that Jordan realizing that the Ark of the Covenant was there in the midst of the Jordan, which is the gospel of the... You'll know the gospel when you leave Suncoast. The death, the burial, the resurrection, therein is the great eternal truth of our freedom and life. We never move on from that. We are dead to sin, alive to God. Dead to sin, alive to God. We no longer wander in our own self-effort out, effort out in the wilderness. We walk on victory side with his life in us. Amen. And those big bad folks in Jericho, and Ai, the Amorites, they're going down. They're going down because of the crossing of the Jericho and the 12 stones that are there. And in that, the works of the devil are defeated. We were created for so much more than what you're seeing. But don't think you've got to conquer the whole world. The way that God destroys the works of the devil is when you, because of Christ in you, have victory over the pockets of sin inside my life and inside of your life. No longer am I offended so easily because the crown of the glory of God is on my head. No longer am I ease, no longer do I fret and worry about life because God has it all in control and I'm his child. Recently at the theater, The Beauty and the Beast came out. Great movie. Did a great job. What's the great lesson of The Beauty and the Beast? There are many lessons. Are you ready? It was that which is loved becomes lovable. There's nothing lovely in the beast until he was loved. Bell saw no attractiveness in him physically. But when she loved him, he became lovable. Follow me? When you receive the love of God, when you know Christ is in you, we become lovable. We become real again. Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Becomes a boy. 
Sleeping Beauty is kissed by the prince and comes alive. We come out of the cave as whole, healthy, spiritual individuals who are now able to be a blessing in the kingdom of God. We're not weighed down by ourself. But Christ is the great victor and we rest in him. And then we go about life like a child in wonder and awe of our God. And we're not equating life to anything down here. Because the stuff that you think is real, it's not really real. And the stuff that's intangible and you can't touch it, those are the real things. We were meant to come out of the cave. Everything's been paid. The victory that you and I, we're we're entered, we love fights, don't we? We love a conflict. We love a fight. We love to watch the boxing. We love to watch the game. We love the contest, do we not? What is in us that causes us to love a contest? Final four, final two, final whatever. It's the great contest of the ages. God could have put Satan down in one like this, but he created us. We fell to sin. But the miracle of redemption is he puts the crown back on us. And the way we defeat Satan is not by shutting down all the sin parlors in the world. It's by having victory over the sin that lives inside of us.